I have some follow-up from last week. Uh, please. So I couldn't find a quarter, so I opened my Apple TV remote with an iPod shuffle. Wow. I, I feel like there should be a name for that. I think that makes me um, like Bear Gorillas. Is that his name? <laughs> wow. who's, who's, who's the outdoorsy man? Bear, the... Bear Grills, not, not, not Gorillas. Isn't it spelled G-R-Y-L-L-I-S or something? Although I, I love that we've now found a new uh, recurring joke. I don't know which one. I'll, I'll, no, I'll be incorporating your pronunciation of uh, Bear Grills or, or Gorillas, as you would say. Uh, throughout maybe not this episode but we'll kind of drop that in i don't know do do you mean that periodically so are you saying that you're going to try to find excuses to bring him up so that i mispronounce his name or you're just gonna that's that's right that's right yeah okay yeah so yeah i feel pretty proud of myself i think that was a, a smart move i was able to use the the back of the clip of my uh purple ipod shuffle that i keep from like 2008 uh on my uh pen cup yeah, I did the job. I was going through uh, a cabinet that I have that's just full of unorganized tech stuff that I just wish would just kind of disappear. And I've, I've in there, I found that I have one of the iPod Nanos that, that was like the Apple Watch before the Apple Watch. You know what I'm talking about? Like so not, people... the, not the Fat Nano, but the one that had the weird... Yeah, was that was that a clip? Or... Yeah, so it's it's just like a little square screen, like a, a touch screen, and then it's got a a clip on the back of it, and it, and well, then the, the software it, it's it's iOS, but you know don't call it iOS. What was the? Wasn't there a, a Kickstarter or some type of like DIY thing called the Luna that made it into a watch before there was an Apple Watch? Yeah, there there were a handful of third-party solutions that did that and i, I want to say that at some point apple started selling one of them like in apple stores like it, it became sort of a blessed idea wow this looks weird yeah sorry where's the uh, slack and it had a radio in it an am fm radio of course it did. which was it was actually was really handy with um 24-hour fitness I know you've you've always been a little too high class to go there, but when I when I used to go to Twenty Four Hour Fitness, they the way they used to do uh, sound on all their TVs was you would tune into a local AM station, mm-hmm. and so that that would work really well if you had one of these little iPod Nanos because you know had the tuner built right in. Gotcha. I mean, you're all you're all high and mighty, and you know, I won't say the name of where you go, but. So somewhere you no, know nicer the, than twenty four hour fitness. No, the only reason I laugh is I remember like when like in nineteen ninety five, like when my family would like occasionally go to the YMCA. There were like three television sets, and you had to tune to like eighty eight point nine or something. And I thought that was the lamest thing in the world. Well, and until I would say maybe six or seven years ago, the AM FM tuners for your car for streaming you know music through your car that was very common. Do you remember uh, the Griffin iTrip? Oh, absolutely. That was kind of the de facto tuner. It didn't. It didn't really. It didn't really work very well for like you and me because we lived in fairly suburban areas. So it was always hard to find a station that was clear. Wait. Well, wouldn't it be the opposite? I always thought that it was uh, the densely populated areas that were problematic because. Well, that, that, um, that's that's what I'm saying. Is we were in a densely populated urban area. No, you said suburban. 
Well, uh, but whatever. Same difference. <laughs> okay. We're, we were in an area with, with a lot of radio traffic. Sure. Yeah, but I only bring that up to um, suggest of how quickly things have changed. Like back back in the day, like the big innovation was that your uh, you could snap a thing onto the top of your uh, monochrome iPad uh, iPod Mini, and now the iPhone's been out for nine years and everything's on demand and there's four G and there's everything else. One of the things I find most disturbing about being the age we are now is that we've in- truly entered the age where there are significant parts of our younger life which now do sound ancient i mean there's the obvious examples like dial up and i mean like using an am fm tuner to stream music in your car like these are things that seem old even today and then when you think about the next generation like you know with our kids they (laughs) they, they, my kids yeah they you know i mean this is going to be laughable to them so many things on this. So yeah, we, we are pretty close to death. <laughs> oh, don't do that. I, I've, I've, I've asked you repeatedly on this show not to do that. Not to remind you of your own mortality? I think that's... That's right. You just want to bury your head in the sand. Uh-huh. Okay. So the website... Not, I mean, I, not, not literally, but... Oh yeah, not, not until uh, 2068. <sighs> it's 2016. So the website, the link I sent you uh, showing you the iPod mini uh, iTrip that snaps on top of it. If you look up at the top of that, it says uh, expert support since 1988. So that website's been as like up as long as I've been alive. I mean, it looks... Yeah, it looks like it's been nicely updated, though. So that's frightening. Oh, and I, and I, and I, I appreciate that it's uh, blowout priced at $299. I, I assume... How, like, I, I wonder how many they have. Because I assume that, like, the... the uh, uh, sales numbers for uh i uh ipod device accessories kind of fell off a cliff when the whole iphone thing happened yeah one would think yeah and also the the other part of this i, I totally forgot that i um that ipods had a special proprietary connector uh for a remote um thing that was attached to your headphones yeah they did weird times yeah Okay, so what was I talking about? Uh, I don't have, have, have we started the show? No, no, tw- 2068. There's a point to this. Oh, yeah, the, like the, there are people that were born in years that start with, with 2-0 instead of 1-9. And like we, have, we, we grew up in, I think we're uh, from the best generation. Do you agree? Uh, I, I would agree, but I, I, I think I have a, a personal bias. But yes, I would like you to explain why. So I think we are really fortunate in that, insofar as that we grew up in a time where technology advanced rather quickly, and we were were able to learn about it and grow with it and embrace it at an age where we're still kind of up on things rather than being uh, an old. Um, but we also lived through a time when technology wasn't necessarily easy. Like we we saw it develop, but you still had things where you had to use like the DOS command prompt. And we had Walkmans and cassette radios, like in VCRs, and you had to put tape over the little tab on a VHS tape so that you could record over it. Like I think there's all that stuff where young young people these days don't have any of that. But alternatively, we didn't ever live in a time where like you only had a phone attached to the wall where you couldn't call somebody outside your area code without like getting uh, destroyed by AT and T. 
and there was lead paint everywhere. Like I, I think we 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 miss the bad parts, but we have a frame of reference and kind of experience so that we don't just take everything for granted. I think what's really neat specifically for me is seeing the evolution and adoption, widespread adoption of the internet and of smartphones. Like those are going to be two things that you know, years and years from now, we will tell people it was, it was kind of a, a neat thing to to see, like getting. I mean, I was like, I, I for me, I can very distinctly remember getting our, you know, setting up dial up for the first time, and then setting up. We had then DSL, and then we went to cable. Like I, I can remember each of those steps, like sending my first email, things like that, and then I can remember sitting in my dorm room watching the first iPhone announcement. Like that's you know that that's stuff that's that's pretty pretty neat to have lived through. Yeah, I, I don't want to make jokes, but I, but it definitely was, and 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 yeah, that's that's pretty cool. But now, but now we're old. Well, I think we've been old for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Again, best generation. I, I I like that. Yeah, greatest generation. Uh huh. Okay, man, this eye, eye trip. Okay, so uh, what was this about? This this stemmed off of uh, me me choosing not to buy a new Apple TV because even though I had to go out to Target and buy a watch battery and use an iPod Shuffle to open up my remote, I still don't care about the new Apple TV. So you, you would not consider selling your Apple TV, that your current Apple TV, for more than the cost of a brand new Apple TV? How on earth would that work? I, I guarantee you're wrong about whatever... Like nobody's gonna buy my sixty nine dollar Apple TV that I bought two years ago for a hundred and fifty dollars. Wait, so which 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 one do you have? I have the uh, the th- the third or fourth gen one. The one I, I think I bought it like a year after the like w- when it turned into like the the black square hockey puck. Maybe I'm thinking of I I I told this story either last week or the week before about how I had sold one of my Apple TVs for even more than I had bought it for because there was this huge uh, jailbreaking market for it. And since Apple's not selling them anymore, they... So maybe it, maybe it was an older generation because, yeah, it's, it's one that Apple's not selling anymore. Yeah, so maybe, maybe you couldn't sell yours for as much as I'm thinking. Yeah, but I just I don't think I'm interested in the new one. Yeah, it's, I, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. It's fine, but... If you're content with your current Apple TV, it's there's not well, really I, much of a compelling reason to upgrade. I'm not. I just I don't think the new one's much much better. I think it's just different. It it's it's better in some ways. The remote is nice, and the UI is really neat. But is it though? It, it is. It, I mean, it's a significant upgrade from the one that you're on, but. Because I play with it every time I go to the Apple Store, and it just seems either confusing or or worse in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, actually, on the note of the Apple Store, uh, another bit of follow-up on the off-brand Apple Watch Band that I bought. I tried out the actual like leather loop that the uh, watch band I bought is supposed to emulate. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this uh, again, it was way cheaper. It was $30 instead of 150 But, no, it's, it's way worse. But I, I still like it, but it's... I'm actually tempted to get the real one now. Well, so that's why I've never really tried on any of the Apple bands is because I feel like I I live in this bubble where I am perfectly content with my third-party band. 
but if I were to go in and try on the Apple equivalent of it, I'm sure it would make my current band look silly. It, it, it's it much in the same way that I actively avoid the 5K IMAX whenever I'm in an Apple store. <laughs> it's a good computer. Yeah, I know. It's a very good computer. I know. I I, I, I hate my entire desk setup right now. We we, we could maybe, maybe we'll come back to that, not this week, but... Well, no, I'm interested. Well, what, give me just a super brief, broad overview. What, what do you mean? Well, so I, I, I didn't talk about it on the show because I didn't really know how much value I'd add by talking about it. But I, I tried out some monitors because I, I, I really wanted a single monitor for both my MacBook Pro and then the new desktop that I built. So I wanted to have a monitor that was high resolution, which would be nice for the Mac, but then also was good for gaming, which would be good for the desktop. And that, that monitor just doesn't exist. There, you really have to choose one or the other. And so now I'm back to my cinema display, which I have hooked up to the MacBook Pro whenever I'm using that at my desk. And then I have a separate monitor, which I've, I've had for a while. It was a cheaper kind of Asus monitor that I got on Newegg. And I've got that hooked up to my desktop. So on this tiny little IKEA desk that I have in my studio apartment... I have two full-sized monitors connected. And it just it looks clunky and just a lot of cables and I I don't like that I have basically like two completely different setups on the same desk. Like I I wish I could just have one screen that I could hook both, you know, machines up to. So what you're saying is that you don't think your current setup matches the elegance and simplicity of the Mickey desk? That is is exactly what I'm saying, yeah. No. But I mean, you know, a a 5K iMac would do nothing to solve that. Although one one, no, I, in, think, one I think it definitely would. One interesting little tidbit is one of the monitors that I tried was a 27-inch monitor. Turns out not too big for this desk. Well, of course not. Even if it went over the edges, it's not too big. Well, I mean the the desk isn't quite that small, but I just I thought that I'd be sitting too close to it, but no, not at all. Your eyes have to scan more than you might like, but it's still good. Yeah. Yeah. All that screen real estate. I'm you know, I I'm holding out hope. It it's not gonna happen, but I'm I'm holding out hope that Apple will come out with a cinema or a, a retina cinema display that I could, you know, connect both my MacBook Pro or I guess a MacBook Pro, because probably the current one wouldn't be able to support the resolution exactly. necessary, and my desktop. But, um, you know, say la vie. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, because I assume whenever Apple makes one of these, it's going to have like some weird Thunderbolt 3 USB-C connector, and that's it. Right. So, so yeah, I, I, I just I have this, this setup that I'm just not, I'm not content with. I suppose, like, the ultimate solution would be to have a slightly larger desk and a a slightly larger space and then get a 5K iMac and then a gaming-focused monitor, but that's thousands and thousands of dollars and a space that I I don't have. Yeah, I I think life's about becoming content with never being content. Yeah, basically. And the truth for me is that I'm just really not at my desk very much, certainly not as much as you are when you're at home. 
like we've we've talked about this you actually you know get stuff done like when you're at at home on your computer <laughs> that's what it said on my autobiography uh-huh all right uh one last tidbit um did you, did you watch any of the uh arizona diamondbacks uh giants games yeah i saw i saw some of the game on friday so the Giants are on a on a good streak, but the the one thing that I I thought was relevant to this show is I always appreciate that whenever there's a game uh, at Chase Field, it reminds me that Cox Cable is a thing. Are they they're big in Phoenix? No, they always run uh, ads behind uh, behind home plate, and you see their weird little uh, space uh, or astronaut mascot. And I was just like, oh yeah, Cox Communications, Phoenix area and Orange County and Santa Barbara and. That's yeah, it. they were they were all I knew the the first what twenty two years of of life. Mm-hmm. Again, here's the thing: you can't edit around the 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 grim themes of mortality, and I like it. Yeah, well, we just you know we just it just kind keeps of coming up, and that it. time I didn't even bring it up. Mm. <sighs> okay, you got any uh, any small news first, or just jump right in? I mean, considering that we're about 16, 17 minutes in and we haven't even gotten any of our topics, we should we should probably... These are all topics. <laughs> Not according to your meticulously organized TC note show notes picture that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that. So the first topic we've got on here is corgis in mailboxes. Do you, do you want to touch on this? I'm sure you can put this in the show notes because I don't remember the link where I originally got this. But um, I sent you and a couple of people uh, just a picture of a corgi in a mailbox, and it's it's very very good. He's, he's the the dog has extraordinary paws, and I think it's a recurring theme because on the internet I th- I can think in my memory right now of three unique dogs in distinct separate mailboxes, and they all bring me great joy. Do you think it, when eventually when you own a dog that you would take pictures like this with it it depends on how willing the dog is to uh put up with that kind of stuff i don't want to be one of those people that either dresses up their dog or um just bribes it with treats to make it be cute for stuff so if my dog's uh chill and just wants to hang around and and, and do stuff like that fantastic but no i don't i don't think i would torture it because again i don't i don't think of I don't like the time I we may have talked about this in the past, but I don't like the term dog ownership. I think you are a a dog's person, and as a dog's person, you should probably not torture it. Huh? Interesting. We we have not talked about that either on the show or off the air, as you would say. No, like I, I so okay. There's there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack here. One, I don't like anybody saying they own a dog. Like that that's that's kind of lame. Whatever. I also don't like the term you rescued a dog. For, for other reasons, because unless you ran into a burning building, you you just got a free dog. So we'll, we'll move past that. And then the other part is I, I what irks me more than anything is whenever somebody refers to their dog as their child or they say, uh, oh, like I'm a dog mom or like th- th- this, uh, like it, 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 it drives me absolutely insane. So the the lady friend and I really enjoy uh, hate watching some of the tiny house homes on HD uh, tiny house home shows on HGTV. Have you ever can seen you ex- these? I legitimately have no idea what you're talking about. Can you give me some backstory on that before you explain whatever you're going to explain? So there there's two different shows. There's Tiny House Hunters, and then there's uh, I think it's Tiny Homes Big Living, something like that. 
on HGTV, and they, they both center around the idea of people who want to live in tiny homes, which are homes that are usually about 300 square feet or smaller. And this is, this is becoming a, a trend in, in the U.S. People who want to live sort of a minimalist lifestyle, who don't want a mortgage, who also don't want to pay rent. Are, are these hipsters or are these people on budget constraints or both? Both, both. And we, we think the concept of a tiny house is ridiculous and that owning a home can eventually actually become your most valuable asset. And so thinking about a mortgage as simply just debt isn't necessarily the right way to think about it. Look at you, Susie Orman. Yeah, but I'll, I'll get off that soapbox. But anyway, we, we sort of hate watch these shows because the, the tiny houses are kind of interesting. It's kind of neat to see how they make the space functional. But anyway, so the, the, other, the other part that is, you know, hate watchable on these shows is that the people that are on the shows frequently. And it, it seems to be a very common thread that a lot of these people are, you know, kind of pet parents, as they would say. And there was one recent episode that we saw maybe a month or so ago where within about the first two minutes of the show, the, you know, the people always, the, the show start with the people describing themselves and it was a boyfriend and girlfriend and they say, and we're a family of three and the camera pans back to show them and their dog. And that, that's it, it just, just, just infuriating. See that I don't mind. Saying a dog is uh, is a member of your family, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Oh, but they, they they then very much proceeded to treat the dog as their child. And the dog slept with them every night, too, which I also, I, I don't agree with. Hmm. You would, you would let a dog sleep in, in your same bed every evening? No, not a, no. But I, I, I if, if, if a dog wants to wake me up, I'm cool with that. Like, I, I don't, I think there should be some boundaries and I think a dog should have uh, its own comfortable place to sleep, which is not your bed because that has issues with uh, limits and boundaries for the dog in particular, but also for the humans. But I, I think maybe you should be able to leave your your door open and when, when the dog wants to wake you up, I think that's great. Oh, I, I agree with that, but sleeping with the dog every night. No, not at all. I'm, I would be on the fence or borderline if the dog ever occasionally wanted to sleep at the foot of the bed. I think that's okay sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. But no, uh, but uh, going back to my original point. So yeah, I can see how, how that'd be frustrating. But again, uh, the core concepts of, of, of dog ownership uh, go along with your, I don't know, it's, it's like a symbiotic relationship. The dog brings a lot of uh, joy and, and you help financially and you you give it support and shelter and that kind of stuff but you're not a dog's owner you're the, you're the dog's person but you sure as hell are not a dog's mom or dog's dad because you can't give birth to a dog yeah that that's what i was getting at and that that's how these people on this the tiny house show were and again and this is why i in particular suggested the instagram accounts that i did last week because instagram dogs there's a whole subculture of uh dog parenting that you have to look out for yeah you you want to stay away from that yeah you got to go only you got to search out the top notch puppers i i very very much like uh sporty that 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 was the dog with the the leash right who's sporty did i did i not send this to you oh no. maybe, maybe this could be my first instagram um recommendation for you i'm not loving the name yeah it's maybe not the best name but oh this is such a cute dog um 
I think oh yeah, I might have actually found I might have found this separate from you on Instagram. I mean, look at me figuring things out. Um yeah, this this is this is sporty. And he's great because he's a golden retriever and as he walks, he carries his leash in his mouth and it it's really adorable. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Uh, it's a lame name, but that's kind of cute. Yeah. He walks himself. He walks himself and he walks the same route kind of every day, and so the people along the route know exactly who he is because, you know, he's the only golden retriever carrying his own leash. He doesn't need no person. That's right. I like this. Uh-huh. Oh, that tail. Aren't you, aren't you proud of me that I'm, I'm branching out on Instagram? I, I Sure, but I think... Yes, I am. However, I don't think it's necessarily torture or arduous work. To find adorable dogs on the internet. Oh, cer- certainly not. But I, I just I also wanted to point out that I'm I'm following your advice and, and keeping it you know primarily dog focused. Seriously, get out of here, humans. Nobody wants to see your 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 duck breast and and uh, fingerling potatoes. We want to see dogs. Yeah, the the food thing is F- food photography. Mm-hmm. Unless it's something that you cooked, quit it. Get out of here. Yeah, that I, that's fair. Like, unless you're at a super, super exclusive or, or, or great restaurant, like one we might talk about later, uh, you, you just kind of knock that stuff off. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Okay. But if you have a dog, you don't... Here's the thing. If you... For anybody listening that does have a really adorable animal, but you have a life that you feel compelled to share that's not about the animal, there's no shame in creating a separate Instagram account for your animal. No. It's encouraged. It, exactly. Um, what was this about? Corgis and mailboxes. Yeah, so there was this one, which you'll put a link to or embed an image in the show notes. There are two other ones that I can't think of links offhand, but there are two other unique uh, Corgi in mailbox pictures that are great. But maybe I'll be able to find those. Okay. Well, if you, if you find those, send me send me uh, those through, through the Slack, and then they will end up in our newly revamped show notes. Cool. Um... To knock out a couple other quick things, uh, have you heard anything about the rumors of uh, Tim Linscombe signing with the Angels, potentially? That that happened. Yeah, the deal is done. Oh, did it? Uh-huh. Is he... Well, I'm not sure if they comment on this that uh, that readily, but is he going to be in the starting rotation, or is he going to be a relief pitcher, or is he just going to hang out? Well, I believe that one of the reasons why it didn't work out with the Giants was because they wanted to bring him back in a relief capacity, and he was more interested in becoming a starting pitcher. And the, the thing with the Angels has been that they've, I think they've lost three or four starting pitchers now since the start of the season. So they are much in need of starting pitching. So I, I presume that's what they're bringing him on for. How do you lose a starting pitcher? Uh, injury. So they they, so they know they know where the person is. Okay, he didn't just get lost and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. Good for him. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. He did a lot of great things for the team, so I I I can't be down on him. But I I mean I wish. Uh, yeah, that's tricky. There are worse places he could places he could have ended up. I mean, I think he that that's the best place he could have ended up besides the Giants. For 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 me anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um 
Yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, take a swing at something. Or should we should we maybe try some to technology? Do we still do that on this show? I forget. I've been trying to pivot away from that. Yeah. I, th- I think there's too much uh, too many technology shows. I think we don't really add anything to the medium, so... I'm kidding. That's all people come here for. So let's talk about uh, your long, uh, terrible nightmare with, with the Apple Watch. Well, yes, the, the long national nightmare is over. It's over. Again, I, I'm, I'm extremely excited about that. So we, we've been complaining perpetually on the show the last over, over the last month, at least, about how most notifications, third-party notifications anyway, on my watch, when I would clear them or dismiss them on the watch, they would not, as they previously did, be dismissed on my iPhone. So I, every time I'd get a ESPN notification or something like that, I would have to dismiss it both on my watch and on my phone. And on, well, was this yesterday or Monday? Apple did their, you know, thing where they come out with updates for everything. So we got watch OS 2.2.1, iOS 9.3.2, and then updates for OS 10 and tvOS. But the key one, it turns out, was watch OS 2.2.1. And I have to assume it's that because, as I mentioned, one of the things I tried when troubleshooting this was getting onto the public beta of iOS 9.3.2. And I was running the most recent version of that beta, which I think is identical to this final release. And as as soon as I installed all these updates, uh, again, including watchOS 2.2.1, now notifications stay perfectly in sync between the watch and my iPhone, which now makes the watch useful again, and all is now right in the world. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I've found something similar, kind of. I think I'm having push notification synchronization issues with one particular application, but um, that's probably unrelated. Uh, I, I'm not so sure to call it completely resolved, but I, at the very least, have not had the issue where um, if I'm on my Mac dealing with iMessages or something like that, that I don't get uh delayed watch notifications like 30 seconds later for the exact same message so i think that's promising but i'm not ready to call it totally cleared up well i i do still have some other sync issues which we we might get back to later in the show don't want to spoil that but the specific issue of where when you address a notification on the watch and it it doesn't get addressed as being cleared on the phone that particular issue for me is now gone which is a which is a huge relief cool yeah i mean i, th- I think that's that's about it um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's fixed because that that restores one of the genuinely good components that most people can't complain about the watch about what one might say the only no i i definitely think uh for me uh the now playing glance and the uh, find my phone, uh, make my phone make noise because I misplaced it. Those are pretty solid, uh, come in handy multiple times a day things. I don't, I don't find the now playing glance very useful. The thing is, I uh, will often uh, play music on like a Bluetooth speaker when I'm at work, or I'll play a podcast, and if I get distracted or somebody comes talk to me, I will pause it, and I can do like an instant rewind without having to touch my phone. And I, I enjoy that. I just find the input delay on that to be distracting. Uh, for me, it's maybe a, a quarter second at most. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'd, I'd find that enough to make it not a very nice experience. 
I guess for me, because there's already, even if I had it on the phone, if, like if I unlocked the phone, because there's like a quarter second of latency on Bluetooth anyway, it really is, isn't noticeable. I guess the context of where I mostly use it is when I'm on a run and I have my iPhone in an armband sleeve, so it's it's difficult to to get get out. But how do you how do you because that, that's one complaint I have about the watch is you can't do media controls while you're actively in a workout. Well, yeah, so you got to do when you're in the the fitness application, you got to do the double tap of no. the digital crown to get you to the watch face. No. And then when you're on the watch face, you can swipe up to the glance. That that's what you got to do. All right, this this is why I don't well, there's many reasons why I don't use an armband just cuz I, I don't think it would work for me, but okay, so I'm glad there's not some secret better way that I've that I've been unaware of cuz that sounds terrible. Yeah. And that, and that is the the one use case running where I, I would love to have a truly standalone Apple Watch. Sure. But so you don't so if you don't use an armband, where do you put your phone when you run? I hold it. Oh my oh my god. No, cuz for me uh again cuz I'm trying to get better at running more quickly and I I use Strava and I really enjoy it for tracking my pace and like mile uh pace times and that kind of stuff where being able to see the the phone display is actually very important to me. I mean I, I don't want to get I don't I don't want to get all, you know, proper on you here, but proper? Uh, what? Well, so when you when you're running, I, I, a key part of running is focusing on kind of all parts of your body including your hands where and what you want to do with your hands is you want to keep them nice and loose and i feel like if you're gripping your phone you're not really going to be able to do that what is the perceived benefit of keeping it loose because you don't want to be wasting energy if you're i don't think i am like if you if you if you what a lot of people do when they run is they'll kind of ball their fists or in some way kind of have their fingers contracted and you're just you're wasting energy by doing that. Uh, I'm just I'm just telling you what my cross country coach told me. <laughs> okay. I, I think I'm doing okay. I think I've made a lot of progress. I'm ru- I'm running more quickly and further than I ever have and uh I do that with uh one clenched fist on my phone <laughs> and one one hand just fine. The other hand's not angry, but uh, yeah, I don't want uh, to to have my iPhone and my Mophie case go flying. But no, I think my system works for me. I think it's fine. Yeah, this is a this is a very impressive run. I, I don't know if you want me to share the details on the show, but no, it's fine. But this is why I really like Strava in the fact that it very very accurately maps your run. It shows you your time for each mile, so you can see where you're slowing down, the elevation, that kind of stuff. So no, I, I really really like it. Do they have a an Apple Watch app, or do you not use that? I don't even. Yes, they do, but I assume it doesn't work. Not <laughs> not not for their fault. No no fault of their own. But um, no, I just use it on the actual iPhone natively. Yeah, that this is very impressive. This is a ten k run at a seven fifty seven pace. Yeah, I felt like I was going to die at the end, but that's okay because that's how it's supposed to be. Wow, very nice. Yeah, I'm hoping to do uh, like a half marathon by the end of the year or uh Oh, wait, why, have you months. have you looked at the the giant race? That that's the that's the one you got to do. Eh. I I'm telling you for 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 two reasons. One, finishing inside the park is really neat and you know being on the field is neat. 
but there's too many people. It, it is it is a crowded event, but you're going to find that any half marathon in this area is going to be that way. So you just kind of have to, no pun intended, you just have to run with that. Um, but the, what's Ooh. great about <laughs> what's great Ooh. about the giant race is it's it's very flat. That that's what makes it a really nice course. No no hills at all. So if, if hmm. particularly for a first half marathon, I would I would highly recommend that one. Is that a once a year event or is it, that? Well, they, they do it in multiple locations. So they have one in Scottsdale. They've got one in San Jose and they've got one here in San Francisco. But if, if you want to do the one here in San Francisco, then yeah, it did once a year. Do you know what month? It, it's either August or September. It depends on the year. It, it's, it's range anywhere from the beginning of August to the beginning of September. I think it depends on the Giants schedule because they, they do it on a Sunday where the Giants are not home. Okay, I'll see if I can uh, ramp it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd you'd still have time to do it this year. Yeah, yeah. I I highly recommend that event. I've done it, I think, three times, and I've really enjoyed it. And how long is it? <laughs> well, it's a it's a half marathon. Oh, I wasn't sure if it had a, a an ex- explicit or like a predefined. Uh... Like if they were going for that or if it was just like a fun run. Well, no. Yeah. So they, they do a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. All right. And what, uh, what because uh, I'm pretty sure I selected Strava as like my pick of the week a couple weeks ago, but what, what's your preferred, because uh, I'm not sure how often you run anymore, but uh, what, what do you use to track yours? Well, I, so I've really become reliant on using my Apple Watch because I, I have my iPhone in my armband and it, it's just really not easy to, to get at when it's in there. And so I, I've, again, I've really gotten used to just being able to just use my watch when I run, including, you know, addressing text messages or, or what have you. And so, you know, because every single third party app on the watch is terrible, I end up just getting stuck with the built in fitness app. So I so then I have many questions about this because I I am weird and dumb in the sense that I use Strava for the detailed information, but I also use the uh, Apple Watch fitness apps because I want it to move like the fitness rings. But the fitness app is is absolutely terrible in the, in the sense that it doesn't tell you where you ran or like in terms of like GPS location, even though it's definitely tracking it, and it gives you very very little information about the run. Does that bother you at all? Yeah, partially, but I, I don't really know when I would ever go back and look at that information. Hmm. Okay. I mean, during the week, I, I always run the same route, so that that's not very exciting. And then when I go on longer runs on the weekend, I mean, that's a little more interesting, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know when I would ever go back and just look at, you know, overhead views of my route. Okay understood but this this is really neat the strava interface looks really nice and i I very much enjoy your uh profile picture oh yeah okay (laughs) oh he's not he's not in a mailbox but it's still pretty good yeah oh little dude you i'm i'm really i really look forward to the day that you get a corgi dude i I am very on brand with my with my online profiles I, I trust that when you do get a corgi, that I'll, I'll receive at a, I think at a minimum two pictures a day. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I was about to name uh, what I would name my corgi, and then I already have the Instagram name picked out. So. Oh, will, will, will you not? You won't say. Not until I actually have him. Okay. Or her. Okay. 
I've, I've got it for both genders. Got it. All right. Um, let's expose over. Should we should we get back to maybe some technology? Yeah, let's talk about. Uh, let me let me uh, uh, redirect this. Do you want to talk about? Uh, it's kind of Apple Watch related. Uh, MCX. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's. I think the acronym stands for Merchant Currency Exchange or some some bullshit anti consumer type thing. Because this was this was never this was never an initiative that was actually for consumers. It was. Uh, well, I'll let you explain what it was supposed to be. Yeah. So as, as a recap, for folks, the, this was the the current C people, right? Mm-hmm. And so this this was going to be an Apple Pay competitor, where I, I forget exactly what the tech was behind this. Was this like UPC codes? This that was would QR be, codes. Q, sorry, QR codes that would be generated. Yeah. Who doesn't love a QR code? Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> And so, you know, any anybody who knows even just a small bit about this technology or just anybody who's potentially interested in using their phone for mobile payments, as soon as you begin to describe this to them, you know, they're instantly going to say, well, why don't I just use something like Apple Pay? So you could see this, you know, coming from a mile away, but we officially got the news this week that I, <laughs> I love. So for anybody who wants to read more about this the place i would direct them towards is on daring fireball uh, gruber had a a pretty snarky post where he took their press release and then translated it into just you know normal speak and it, it started out with something like you know we after receiving feedback blah 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 we've decided to i forget what their exact phrasing was but you know de- effectively delay the launch and you know, translating that was basically saying, yeah, this thing's never coming out. Yeah, and let's explain why uh, or or what the whole point of this was, is that uh, MCX was supposed to be, I think, like a, a an, uh, like an ACH, like routing-based, like digital wallet. The whole point was that they, they were trying to limit Apple Pay's penetration into uh, the consumer payment space because they wanted to do their own thing which was not tied to traditional credit card processors so that it would be cheaper for them. That was their whole reason for doing it. It was never customer-focused, which not, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but their impetus was to save money on credit card transactions rather than more secure mobile payments or a better customer experience. But that's that's the flaw, right, is... At the end of the day, what really matters is the customer experience. I mean, you can you can make all the the economic deals you want to and all the back end stuff you want to, but if at the end of the day it's not a good consumer experience, or if there's something out there that's just objectively better, eh, you know, what where where are you going to go with that? To a limited rollout in Columbus, Ohio, Walmart stores, and nowhere else. Right. Although, you know, I mean, the the one thing we always want to say with stories like this is people are losing their jobs here and that's sad and you don't you don't want to make light of that. But our angle here on this tech focused podcast or supposedly tech focused podcast, you again, you, the, the, you could see from day one that this was just not this was not what people wanted. Well, because it wasn't being designed for people. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about what? Well, how about we pivot maybe to something that we that we like? 
tech-focused. Not sure where you want to go. Uh, Gboard. Oh, maybe not universally liked. Go, go, um, go ahead. You've had, you've, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is Google's uh, new keyboard for iOS. This got released, I think, late last week. And it was one of those things where I, I saw, you know, the new news articles come out about it, and they, they posted an introductory video. And it, this was maybe a two, two and a half minute long video. But honestly, within 20 seconds of the video, I just was instantly sold and went, wow, what a, what a great idea. So what this is, is a keyboard that, and this is actually one of the smartest things about it, I think, looks very, very similar to the default iOS keyboard, particularly if you've got the, the predictive text turned on. It really looks a lot like that keyboard. But the key difference, so there are a couple of key differences from the default keyboard. One is it also has integrated swipe typing, which a lot of other keyboards do too. But I, I think this particular integration or implementation rather works really well. But then the, the really big feature that it's got is Google search built right into it. So there's a little Google icon in the top left corner of the keyboard. And when you tap on it, it pulls up a Google search bar. And you can use that for regular Google searches. You can use it for image searches. You can use it for GIF searches. Um, and then kind of, kind of separately, I guess, there's also a emoji searcher, similar to kind of how Slack works, which is awesome. And it, it even does that emoji searching just as you're doing regular typing outside of the, you know, the Google search piece. Overall, just a really, really great keyboard um it's crashed on me a couple of times this first week which is maybe the only negative thing i can say about it but outside of that it it is it is awesome so i i'm, I'm interested to hear what your reservations or negative points about it are so in general i like it a lot i appreciate how transparent and open google has been about how they're not using this yet as like a data mining and harvesting tool or like some type of keylogger that they're they're very explicit about what type of content gets sent by the keyboard uh to Google servers and what doesn't uh and and most of your keystrokes do stay on device only which is nice but for me so i i i too the key benefit for me compared to most other third-party keyboards and this is kind of what killed uh microsoft wordflow for me which i was which is which i was high on for a little bit but it kind of uh grew to just not be the the right choice for me after a while uh but that it's very similar to the built-in ios keyboard but unfortunately it's not exactly the same two things that doesn't have or that are different about it is that uh siri voice dictation is only available on the native keyboard so that's something that's missing which is a bummer I really do like the uh, ability to have a dedicated period button that you can hold down and get other quick punctuation. I think that's great. But the spacing of the keys and some of that other stuff is is just ever so slightly different, which is just kind of ruining my uh, my accuracy with it. I assume in like a week I'll, I'll be completely used to it, but it's still not there yet. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a little, not necessarily crashy, but I've had a... Um, maybe a couple of times a day, but I use my phone a ton. So maybe that's very infrequent for most people, but there are times when the keyboard won't pop up. 
I'm not sure if you consider that a crash, but I've just had times where I just have to either force quit an app or I just have to uh, expand and collapse the keyboard multiple times for it to show up. Well, yeah, so that's um, that's what I was referring to, where it, what would happen is you, you go to pull up the keyboard and what mine will do is it'll, instead of pulling open the Gboard, it'll just pull up the... Well, it, it'll, it'll show like the very top of the Gboard for like a, a split second, but then it'll just bring up the default iOS keyboard, which I, which I assume means that Gboard basically is crashed. So maybe that's, that's why I'm not seeing anything, is, is that I deleted the standard emoji and uh, Apple English keyboard, so the Gboard is the only option. Well, I, I, I did that too. Yeah, for me, I never see the Apple one. Unless I'm in like a secured password field. I just get a thing where I see where the keyboard should be and I just see nothing there. Hmm. So yeah, but like I assume once they have a bug fix release, like that'll be solved. And the only thing is that I will have to overcome is just kind of the the slightly different key placement. But yeah, the lack of voice dictation is kind of a bummer. I don't use that terribly frequently, but when I do it, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Yeah, I I don't really ever use that. Anyway, I I like it overall. A couple other uh, things about it. like yeah, the emoji search is absolutely fantastic. I think that's great. Um, and but the one thing that you you cite that is really nice about it, which I for me doesn't really work out, is the uh, Google image search. I, I don't actually end up using the searches inside the keyboard very often, but the times when I kind of do want to do that, it's for images. And if I'm not mistaken, or based on like my experience, it looks like the only thing that you get to see in Google Image Search are Creative Commons images. So most of the time, I don't get the results I want. Huh. I, I guess I haven't noticed that. I wonder why that would be. Yeah, I mean, if you search for anything that's not like something that would just have like a billion and one uh, responses... Uh, you don't. And I assume that's just because for licensing reasons, like you, you're not seeing the ads um, or you're not seeing like the full web page to the point where they're not able to show it all to you. Because like Google's generally not in the business of uh, preventing you from seeing whatever they have access to. But yeah, I found that it looks like there's only Creative Commons images in there. And in a lot of cases, it's just, it's not what I need. So I have to end up doing a full search anyway. Hmm. I'll have to keep my eye out for that, but I, I haven't noticed that yet. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I think it's very cool. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it's insanely smart that that's a way, like, because search, not that's like web search is dying or anything, but it's just people aren't living in the browser that much anymore since uh, most of smartphone computing is kind of becoming more app-based and individual app-centric. But if you are making something that is the text input device that spans the entire smartphone, regardless of operating system, like that's that's really, really, really smart. Well, yeah, I mean, I, maybe this just is a natural segue into the Google I.O. stuff. But I, I, th- I think that's what that's what Google's getting really smart at now is understanding that the way that people are engaging with Google searches and just kind of the internet at large is changing. It's it's not always sitting down at a desk in front of a keyboard and a mouse, opening a web browser and going to google.com. Now it can be things like Siri searches or, you know, Alexa searches in the case of the Amazon Echo. 
or doing in-app searches, which are basically just, you know, web view wrappers in an app on your phone. Like there, there's a million different ways that people access Google and the internet now. And Google's really smart to make sure that as people are doing searches or just general web browsing on whatever device they're on, that they make it make doing that as easy as possible, which in, really includes not always having to, you know, just go to a browser. Sure. And yeah, I think that's that's what will keep the whole thing relevant. So yeah. I mean I, and I think you know maybe we just go we go right into that the Google I.O. stuff, right? Um I've got nothing there except Google Home, but I, I assume that they, I heard they announced some VR stuff, which is probably more your thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess <laughs> kind of a funny tidbit about this show is that, so Google I.O. has, I think, historically been in San Francisco, similar to WWDC. In fact, I, th I think it's been at Moscone at, at least once or twice in the past, right? Uh, it's generally at Moscone West every year. Yeah. So basically the same setup as WWDC. But this year, they decided to have it in Mountain View. And for folks who aren't really familiar with that area, there's the Google campus right off the freeway down there. And then a little bit further away from the freeway, there's a golf course. And then there's Shoreline Amphitheater, where a bunch of concerts and other um, shows are put on. And so the, the Google I.O. Uh, conference this year is, is down in Mountain View, and specifically, it's at, it's at Shoreline. It's at this big outdoor amphitheater, and <laughs> there's been a a heat wave that has hit the Bay Area the last couple of days. Although I think today it was a little bit cooler, so during the keynote it wasn't quite so bad. But yesterday it was, I think, 90 degrees down there. I don't think it quite got that hot today, but. In any case, it's it's been really warm down there, which is a, a little funny side note. Um, but anyway, the the actual the actual announcements today I thought were overall pretty solid. And and to your point, I, I think the highlight was Google Home. So I think as a a current owner of the of the Echo, you are are most qualified to speak to what this is. Not really, because I uh, didn't pay attention to any of it, because I don't really care that much. I, I think I think you I think your your response to me last night when I had sent the link was Google I/O is this week question mark. I wasn't being I that that definitely wasn't a joke at all. Um, I think every year, like I tried, like I I don't I end up like it sneaks up on me, and I don't really end up caring about it, and then I try to watch the keynote, and then it's like four hours long, and then I'm like. I, I I fell asleep. So yeah, I didn't know it was this week and I didn't really pay attention to any of it either. All I all I've seen so far is that there is uh, an Alexa knockoff or sorry, an Amazon Echo knockoff. Damn it, she just turned on. Um <laughs> I gotta remember to hit the mute button before we start these shows. But um that they're making a Google Home Echo knockoff, that they're doing something new with uh VR that's supposed to be like a step beyond cardboard and that kind of stuff. It's supposed to be more like Oculus like. And other stuff, but yeah, I have very limited knowledge on this, so you'll have to you'll have to inform me of that. Okay, so so the the announcement they had specific to Google Home was sort of a, a two prong announcement. The first of which is Google Assistant, which is you know it, it's essentially Siri but for Google, and the idea is that this is going to be Google's consumer facing uh, personal assistant interface that that's going to work across you know, all of all of their devices, so all Android devices. 
and then any other device like the Google Home that they make. So this is going to be their kind of, again, their kind of AI uh, interface. And their focus here is making it very conversational, which, you know, really has been the focus of Siri and, and Alexa. But, you know, Google really does seem to have this type of automated stuff down. And what I mean by that, I'm trying to think of a better word than automated, but it's almost like I'm always amazed at the way that Google does little things like whenever I get a, uh, whenever I make like a restaurant reservation through something like Open Table, and I, I get the confirmation through Gmail, whenever I'm on Google Maps, that restaurant location will have my reservation time already marked. Like little, little things, like anticipatory things like that, Google is just really good at. And so I think that's what they're going to really try to tap into with Google Assistant. And so then that, that whole platform then sits on top of Google Home, which, I mean, really is, it, it's the Echo. It, it looks similar to the Echo. The concept is very similar to the Echo, where it's both a speaker and it's got a microphone. And it's meant just to sit in your home and be sort of your go-to Bluetooth speaker and sort of Siri-like device. Or I guess really more appropriately, Alexa-like device. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, there's not much else to say about it because it's not out until later this year. But, you know, the, the concept is the same. But I, I do think that with the kind of power of Google's tech behind it, it, it could be a step above what Alexa is. I'm sure some people might think that, but I th- uh, the Echo has been out since last fall, right? Something like that. I'm sure they'll do a Gen 2 or something like that. Yeah, but maybe. But it's just, it's hard to imagine a company like Amazon keeping up with Google on this front. I think you're selling Amazon short. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I might be. And also for, like, for the people that don't live a, an all Gmail, all Google Apps lifestyle, I think those advantages break down very, very quickly. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm saying this just so Alexa doesn't like poison me at night. Got it. Um, so then I guess, you know, the other highlights from the event today, I'm looking at a, a nine to five Mac story, which had a, a nice roundup of all the event uh, of all the announcements rather. Uh, they've got a new messaging platform uh, called Allo, which also has this new assistant feature built right in. Um, I think that's, um, oh, actually, no, they, they do say that it's coming to iOS devices as well. Huh. Interesting. So I don't I don't know if that is like a I guess it's maybe like a Google um hangout replacement. I think that actually would be kind of neat. Um but then they also yeah, talk, talked a lot about VR, which is which is what you you've mentioned. And so they um I guess taking a step back also announced Android N, which they're <laughs> they're crowdsourcing the name on. So if you want to uh, submit your name idea for Android N. Be sure to use their official hashtag and do so. Does that only work on Google Plus? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but anyway, so this a- Android N is going to have um, some VR specific features. Um, I, I don't think the the details are are very interesting on that, but it's going it's going to be very VR focused in the sense that it's going to have a VR specific store app store. Um, 
and it's also going to be there's a, there's going to be a, be a VR mode that you can put it in, which is going to be um, compatible with their Daydream platform, which is kind of like Google Cardboard 2.0. So yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, potentially kind of interesting. Um, I've I've never I've I've only used a Google Cardboard. Um, set up once and it it, it was kind of neat but um i don't know i it, i find it hard to believe that an, an experience using a phone and i mean even this kind of cardboard 2.0 basically is just like a, a head strap for your phone it seems like that's going to be a hard sell for tr- a true vr experience but I mean, if if you if you're on a budget, I, I guess maybe that's something people would be interested in. So I I only have experience with the uh, the cardboard 1.0 technology. Like I've got a couple of those still sitting around here, and I mean I think it's neat, and that's a it's an interesting way to get people bought into the idea of VR using existing equipment that they have and a really low cost um, like uh, hardware component. Like, did they say how much they expect? the gen two stuff or whatever that is to to cost or how that's going to pan out well so they're they're not actually going to make it themselves they're going to just provide a spec that other manufacturers can make kind of similar to cardboard so no well, but isn't no it but cardboard is just yet. it's just a it's just cardboard yeah but google doesn't actually sell their own they just they let other um they let other providers do that interesting never thought of that um speaking of vr a quick quick little side note my oculus has shipped Mm -hmm. but of course it's arriving on friday which is the 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 first day that i'm gone so awesome i'm sure it'll be fine um so i won't won't have much to say about that for a couple more weeks but pretty pretty excited to uh to get my hands on that do you, are there any game titles you're excited to play, or there's still is there still not much there? There's still not much there. I'm not interested in a specific game, but just the overall VR experience. Well, uh, then, then what would you view or experience in it? Well, it, it comes with a couple of games. So it comes with a like a space sim game, which looks kind of neat. Then it comes with a platformer type of game that looks fun, but. I just I I'm just interested because in, I've I've never worn one of these actual headsets again I've just done the the cardboard thing once but I've never actually put on an either an Oculus or a Vive so I'm just really curious to see how truly immersive that experience is and how much better it is than looking at a monitor or a TV. Hmm. Uh, but I think I think that's about that's about it with with Google I/O unless you've got something else. No, not at all. Okay, so do you do you still use your coin? <laughs> I I kind of never really did. It was just it was a cool thing to throw fifty bucks at and, and to see in person. Basically, okay. I was always really self conscious with it because it didn't look, or more importantly, didn't feel like a real credit card. So I always thought that when I handed it to somebody, they were just going to look at me like I was trying to scam them, <laughs> as opposed to every other time, <laughs> right? It's it's like a perpetual Ocean's Twelve with you. Uh huh. That's right. Uh, so apparently, Fitbit has purchased uh, many of the intellectual property assets of Coin, 
And apparently Coin 2.0 and all that is going to shut down very soon, unless I misread the article. Uh, no, I, th- I think they... Like, I heard, like, that existing cards are going to work, but that they're basically winding down stuff. Yeah, my well, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Yeah, that's, the, the, I feel really bad for them. Like, and they tried something cool, but it just happened to be, like, six months before Apple Pay and many of the, like, more sensible contactless payments that were built into the smartphone that's far more ubiquitous uh, became a thing. That's kind of a downer for them. Yeah, but yeah, apparently, so so Fitbit, um, a company on the rise, and not being replaced by anything else, um, is purchasing the assets for them to maybe embed um, <clears throat> uh, contactless payments into their fitness tracking hardware. I I I see. I don't really I don't really get this because I don't really feel like what's preventing people from buying standalone fitness trackers is the fact that they can't make touchless payments with it. I don't either. And in a fit, uh, fit, uh, jawbone has been doing this for, I think a year now, cause they've embedded, um, it's a far less, uh, customizable or, or full featured approach, but they've uh, had an agreement with American express where they embed, I think it's just a, a standard RFID chip rather than anything like uh, complex or NFC like, uh, they've embedded uh, contactless payments inside of the Jawbone up, but I don't really think it's a selling point. I don't, I don't think many people care. I think the only point where that becomes uh, useful or something that people might actually use is in a more full-featured wearable product. I don't think anybody looking for a step or like fitness tracker is really thinking about that. Yeah, I. If of all the things you could add to a fitness tracker, I don't think this would be one of those things that would be near the top of that list. Yeah. Yeah, happens. All right. Well, actually, this ties into something else real quick that uh, you had sent over something about uh, the UK potentially trialing uh, embedding like your identification or driver's license into Apple Wallet or uh, Passbook, whatever it's called these days. Yeah, I mean, I I cannot wait for a day where I don't need to carry around a wallet and instead can just carry around my phone. I know that we're... You, you, you can carry a wallet that can run out of batteries. Nice. <laughs> I know that we're years and years and years away from being able to do that, but this example in the UK sort of just gave me a glimmer of hope. Kind of, but... Um... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that bores you. So it's 11:15 at night, and I'm an old man. We've we've covered this. Yeah, that's, that, that's see, true. See, please rewind 45 minutes to the beginning of the show where we talk about everything else. Right. Um, the other thing to me that uh, that cons- not concerns me, but I don't, I, I just don't know how the government or how agencies like, if your driver's license or passport or this type of stuff becomes digitized, like how does that how do they combat fraud and that kind of stuff? And how, how, well, I mean, come on, come on though. There, there's rampant fraud with the physical card system that we have today. But the thing is when you're doing that, you're not giving somebody uh, a device, like you're handing over a single piece of ID. Like, whereas let's say you have to give a government official or somebody like your uh, driver's license on your phone 
and then like they they can just go into all your stuff having my so think about today right i've got a physical wallet with my driver's license in it Mm -hmm. that is way 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 less secure than if i have got something on my fully encrypted iphone so but wouldn't you have to unlock your phone to show this yes well, so then let's say for some reason, uh, I, I some into some dystopian future in five years where the TSA is expanded. Don't get me started on the TSA. Um, it, it like they're like, oh, oh, your boarding pass is invalid or something like, or like, and then they, you have handed them your unlocked phone that has your ID, and now they have access to everything rather than just having access to your one ID. Like I'm not a conspiracy theorist or that type of thing, but I don't know. Like the see, like I see a lot of issues, both from like anti counterfeiting and those types of measures, uh, which the government would be concerned about, and also from that as a consumer privacy perspective. I don't know. I think th- that much more than credit cards, because like you you can always dispute a, like a fraudulent charge uh, that happens with your uh, credit card processor or or issuer, but I think. Once you get to IDs on the phone, that that's not it's not a bad idea or concept. I just think it has a lot of it has far more questions and it's um, more prone to abuse than other things. Hmm. So yeah, I'm interesting to see what happens. I, I I don't I don't see it as any less secure, and in fact, I arguably see it as being more secure than what we have today. Perhaps. All right. Do you want to take a quick break? Uh, sure. Yeah. Tell me about something you like. Okay. I'm gonna tell you something about, about something I kind of like and and I'm very confused about. Let's talk about Squarespace. Okay. How much do you think Squarespace costs these days? <laughs> it's it's just one of those charges that that comes by on my my credit card that I just don't even pay attention to anymore. So oh, you don't so you don't do it you. you don't do it yearly. Uh. I don't think so. I think I think I do it monthly. Because they give you more of a deal if you do it yearly. Mm, I should look into that. So to my understanding, it used to cost eight, twelve, or sixteen dollars a month, depending on whether I think it was uh, called personal, like personal plus commerce and like business. And now it's twelve, like sixteen, and twenty-four dollars a month. And we won't discuss it in any type of detail, but. Uh, this weekend, I registered a new domain name for a very important project that I'm working on, one that could um, revolutionize the way we think about uh, food. I, d- I do want to talk about that more. I, we're not, we're not going to give away anything here, but I, I do want to talk about that more off the air because I really do like that brand. I do too. And, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be versatile and I think it's going to, I'm going to have some fun with it, but I also think it's going to be kind of cool. Um, But I was thinking like, oh, where because I've been conditioned off of three years of incessant uh, podcast advertising, uh, advertisements, I'm like, oh, where should I go build a website? Uh, Squarespace is a good choice. And I've already, I already have it for my personal kind of where I just park my, uh, the domain that has just my name. And I, I pay for it on a yearly basis. So I think it's like $90 or something if you pay for a year. But I was like, oh, I, I want a separate website. So first I found out that no, it's a separate subscription for every single domain name that you'd like to have with Squarespace. You can have a uh, quote unquote unlimited pages, but only at the root level of whatever domain you have. And then I noticed like, I'm like, wow, this seems way more expensive than it used to be. And yeah, now the new minimum plan is $12 a month, even if you pay for a full year. 
so it's $144. Like, that that seems nuts for a website that I'm just kind of iffy about that I'm not sure what I'm going to do with. Like, I have high hopes for it, but, I, but I'm a human being and I'm lazy. So it's probably just going to sit uh, as like a hover redirect, like coming soon page for a very long time. But yeah, 150 bucks a year for like, that's just a lot of money. Am I, am I crazy? No, you're not. Um, and I, I think it's particular to someone like you who might be willing to put in the effort to do something like a WordPress. And that's what I looked at. Cause apparently WordPress is now like they're trying to do a Squarespace style thing. And it costs what Squarespace used to cost like two years ago, but I actually don't like it as much. But um, it's tricky. I just think like that it seems to make more sense. Like one, it, I'm I'm surprised that it got that expensive, and I've also, I'm also like so I'm, I'm going all over the place. But have you noticed in Squarespace ads recently that they're far? They don't really do promo codes anymore, and that they're mainly just saying like rather than saying you get ten percent off or whatever, whatever for the next year. It's just it's just Squarespace like ad copy and they say like the like what's their new ad? It's not build it beautiful anymore. It's like why not? <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it is something like that. Yeah, it's like just do it except for web for, for uh, building websites. But right, yeah, like I mean, I just really think that like if you're one, if you're an existing subscriber, there's got to be there needs to be like a, a like a second domain price break. Like if I'm already paying like eight to twelve dollars a month for it. Like, just say, hey, five bucks more and you can host a second or third or fourth domain. Like, that that seems like that should exist. It does. It does. Because, like, I would, like, had it been, like, six or eight dollars a month, like, I would have already done it. And, I, and I'm not, like, a cheap person, but just, like, twelve dollars is to the point where, like, that's, that makes you stop and think a lot more about it. And that makes me not want to even play around and like and do this project and then forget that they're billing me for the next three to six years mm-hmm. anyway anyway yeah and also and, and again that also goes to the fact that squarespace isn't really a product i like that much like it, it's the the designs and the layouts and that kind of stuff it like in maybe like 60 percent of the product are very good but the remaining 40 percent is uh like indecipherable and difficult and just weird like in the effort to make everything simple a lot of things i think we talked about this like two weeks ago become harder like it's yeah square like it's it's nice but it's not the best i don't know it's very it's very inconsistent with its ui where like you said where where we oh great my siri just thought that ui was trying to get her attention and my phone just went off ahoy telephone yeah um, yeah, where, where some things just seem like they should be super easy and aren't, and then things that seem like they'd be super complicated are easy. It's just, it's a very, it's a very up and down, um, interface. I actually think it's side to side. <laughs> Cause this, and that, no, that's the thing I hate is that like it, everything pops in from the left hand side and you're like always editing your webpage, which I don't like at all. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, we shall see. But I, I this is the project that I'm going to pursue, and it's going to be great, and it's it's it'll be fun. I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it more. Um. All right. Um. What do you think about um, moving to the Amazon private label groceries? 
think this is kind of interesting. I kind of do too. Does Amazon Fresh still cost three hundred dollars a year? I but it God, it's it's gotten so confusing now, right? With Amazon Prime, Prime, Prime now, now, and then yeah, and then but Prime now is not for perishables, right? Right. So let's see, Amazon Fresh. Let me let me look this up here. Um, so I have to enter my zip code, which I can do. Then I have to enter my Amazon username and or email address and password, which I can do. And then your two-factor authentication code. Thank you. Oh, does you can you do two-factor on Amazon? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think when we covered it, you you ex- you expressed a uh, concern as to why on earth would you do that? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that would still be my reaction. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now now I've received a notification. Uh, Amazon Fresh. We've moved to Amazon.com. California Prime Fresh members can now enjoy the convenience of shopping Amazon Fresh and Amazon.com items all in one place. So, okay, so shop fresh on Amazon.com. First thing I'm shown here is an organic milk protein recovery shake. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea where I'd be able to find, like, well, here, what is fresh? Learn more. Alexa. How much does Amazon Fresh cost? Sorry, I don't know the answer to your question. <laughs> you, you work for the company. Wonderful. That, that's great. Um, so they explain how it works. Fresh is exclusively for Prime members, it says. But it doesn't... Have you just typed into Google how much does Amazon Fresh cost? No. Maybe I should. Free grocery delivery on all orders over $40. Oh, with a free 30-day trial of Amazon Fresh. Only, so gr- grocery shopping made simple. Only $3.85 per week more for Amazon Prime members. So that's what, what is Amazonian way to tell you the price? So $3.85 times 52, right? That's, that's, that's the math? I don't think so. So it'd be two, 252 weeks in a year, right? Mm-hmm. Three eighty-five per week, so it'd be two hundred dollars a year. Amazon Prime Fresh members get the benefits of both Amazon Prime and Amazon Fresh for an annual membership fee of two ninety-nine. Oh, I guess that makes sense if you're lumping together the hundred dollars you would have spent on Prime. Well, so yeah, so they, yeah, 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 yeah. That that's what it is. So Prime's a hundred bucks, and then this is a two hundred dollar add-on on top of that. Yeah. Okay. So going back to Amazon, do pulling a a Lucerne. Or a, an Archer Farms, or a 365, all famous in-house brands. Nice. I forgot them. Oh man. <laughs> oh, how could I forget that I, one? I, I I don't know. It's really disappointing. <laughs> Hang my head in shame. <laughs> Although I think they've they've been kind of moving away from that. They've got, I, I think that's why I forgot yeah, about they, it. They've got I think, something else yeah. now. Yeah. Well, what is, what is their new one? I don't go to Walgreens that much. I don't know. Oh man, I'm all about Safeway and Target. Yeah, well, I just well, the Walgreens are so convenient here in San Francisco, and there, there's there's one like literally every three blocks. <laughs> I mean, you, you think I'm kidding? But no, I know. Depending on where I get off of the uh, of of the way I get home from Bart, there 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 there's up to two Walgreens between there and and my apartment. It's pretty convenient. One of which is 24 hours, which is pretty nice. 
You don't you don't you don't get that from the the target. Target is open as long as I would ever want it to be open. That's true. No, their hours are very good. Like I, I if if it's open during like I I think just no. I'm not sure what I want to see if I go in there at hours that it's closed. No, that's true. Uh what was I gonna say to you? Um <laughs> what, what what just happened? Oh no, you you said, you, you said something about um Walgreens open twenty four hours a day, and I was <laughs> going to ask: Is your gym part of it? You mentioned twenty four hour fitness earlier. Well, ironically, most are, or I don't know about most, but many twenty four hour fitnesses are not open twenty four hours. Well, of course not. It's a f- fun fact. Yeah, I I, di- I didn't know that when I signed up. Well, yeah, like twenty four hour fitness is 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 a mess in the sense that like don't they have like they have twenty four hour fitness, which is like the, the the crappiest one. Then they always have like twenty four hour fitness, like super sport. And they they have like five different like brands, and they sign you up for a plan where like you can't actually go to any of the nice ones. Well, the the one that I had was the the Costco one, and I I think it did let you into to all of them. But but you're totally right. Where the, the capabilities of each gym and what what was offered at each location varied widely. Yeah. Sorry, what were you looking up? I was looking up how much Amazon Fresh costs, but I think I think okay. We, so we we, we established we it's two ninety nine, including Prime. So it's two two hundred bucks a year, because I mean Prime you just have to consider to be a sunk cost. Oh, that, that's where we got off track. Nice. So Amazon's making their own uh, version of Nice and and everything else. So yeah, I guess that's the next frontier. Like Amazon already has. Um, you've seen Amazon Basics, right? Yeah, I have. Well, I I own I own some Amazon Basic products. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a monoprice guy, so I don't have a lot of Amazon Basics cables and that. But um, yeah, they have their own in-house brand for certain other things, um, and apparently now they're going to do that for uh, household goods and and uh, food items. So I think this is where so you know a lot of people sort of are confused by like Amazon's stock price, right? Where they will consistently post losses, but the the stock will just skyrocket. And I, I think it's it's things like this which explain that, where because Amazon has built up such brand loyalty and brand recognition that they really have the ability to leverage that in so many different ways. And this is, a I think, just a, a prime example, if you will, of that. Um, and I, I think that this, the sky's the limit on, on, on doing things like this. And I, I think it's really smart because you're likely going to get high quality products and they're going to cost you know even even less than Amazon's already pretty low prices so it seems seems like a total win-win for everybody involved yeah uh yeah i i just think they're going to have more of an issue um getting people to actually sign up for prime fresh or amazon fresh that that, that price has got to come down and I understand why, like, I think that's probably a subsidized price. I think just that, like, the infrastructure, like, I mean, that's the whole reason why Webvan and everything went under. Like, I think it's just uh, doing, like, a same-day or very near-term delivery is already costly and kind of expensive, but it's also uh, perishable food items add a whole another layer of complexity, and getting all that stuff to where it needs to be is is challenging. But I think this is still... Other than for the most um, uh, well-off of urban dwellers, I think this is 
out of not out of reach, but just not practical for most people. And I I think the kicker for it for me when I looked into it, if I remember correctly, is that the actual prices of groceries were also kind of high, mm-hmm. like compared to something like a Safeway. Yeah. So that's that's where it starts to get really tough. You're paying a fairly high annual fee. Like it'd be one thing if you're paying this annual fee, but then the food was consistently cheaper. Then it'd be like, okay, well maybe I'll kind of earn back, you know. You mean like if if Prime Fresh or, or Am- Amazon Amazon Fresh? What's his actual name? Am- Amazon Fresh. Although it's it's really just it's just part of Amazon.com now. Okay, so like if Amazon Fresh was kind of like Amazon Prime in this, or like just regular Amazon, where you're paying extra, but you're you're fairly confident that you're getting a pretty good deal on what you're buying, but it it, it looks like on actual groceries, it's generally not. I mean, yeah, like I'm I'm looking around now. I haven't I haven't looked at this in a while, and and it actually does seem some of this stuff actually seems like it's comparatively priced to to where what you'd get like at a Safeway. But it, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of hard to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah, I think I think I think that's it there. Yeah. A uh, quick flashback for people. Remember when Amazon didn't charge sales tax? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um. It's killing me. But oh, that that's what I want to talk about. Have you ever noticed that that Amazon, uh, one, uh, I'm not sure how much you, you search for this, but Amazon is terrible at office supplies. But also, like, if you're searching for something on Amazon that's not, like, electronics or something that has, like, a very obvious choice, shopping on Amazon is really difficult because they carry too much stuff. I find, I find user ratings to generally sort through that. Kind of, I, but like I, 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 I definitely understand what you're saying. But like I was trying to buy some like envelopes and a couple like office supply products just because I'm like, oh, Amazon Prime, rather than having to worry about however long it takes for Staples.com shipping or something to get to me, I can do that. But their prices were terrible, and it was very, very difficult to find out uh, to find what I actually wanted. Like it seems like Amazon's very good at certain product categories, but there's certain in particular. Uh, office supplies or that kind of stuff. It, it, it's not good at all. Mm-hmm. And I think clothing. Have you like? Because uh, it's weird that Amazon owns Zappos.com, which is a great website and a great and uh, has great customer service, but nothing is ever on sale, and generally it's kind of the worst priced option. But whereas Amazon sells shoes and clothes and that kind of stuff too, but finding legit like accurately sized stuff is almost impossible. I don't know. Amazon just in certain things, like everybody says, they're always the best at commerce, but it's a little rougher on the edges sometimes. Hmm. I guess I haven't really, haven't really done a lot of shopping for something like clothes on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, like their return policy and stuff's pretty good, though, right? It is, but I don't want to get fired as a customer from Amazon. <laughs> I get like I think, I think we covered this last week too. Like, if you get up at, like above a certain return rate, like I again, I don't return much stuff, but I don't. I, I can't get cut off of uh, the Amazon lifestyle. That would that would be tough. Alexa will disown me, and it it'll be bad news. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't understand. I, I thought I, I thought I heard it go off. <laughs> All right, I, uh, okay. You'll edit that out. Yep. Uh, 
you had mentioned earlier in the week that you uh, say Apple Maps is still terrible, mm-hmm. but you were the one who, and people can listen back to this, I was always the Google Maps proponent, and you were always like, Apple Maps is fine. So what gives? Well, so I, I figured you would challenge me on that. Um, so I, I have not used Apple Maps in, in quite some time. I've been using Google Maps and Waze. I've actually, when, when driving, I've been basically just using Waze. That, that's awesome. But Google Maps for general searching and then also public transit directions and walking directions, fantastic. And that's what I've been using for, for quite a while now. And so what prompted me sending that to you over the weekend was I was um, uh, taking a lift, actually. We, we, could, we could get back to that if we wanted to, but a, a lift um, home on Sunday and the driver was using Apple Maps. And there, there's been a, a certain part of the, the city that, that's gone under some construction recently where there's been some new exits introduced and kind of a different way to get around. And it, it's, been, it's been that way for, I don't know, six months or something now. And Amazon, or Amazon, Apple, <laughs> Amazon Maps coming soon. Uh, Apple Maps has still not been updated to reflect all those new street changes and additions. And that's, to me, that's just, that's ridiculous and just totally not, not acceptable from a Maps application. Hmm. And it it resulted in a fairly significant delay. So was not, was not super happy about that. That's tricky just because, like, I, 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 no, everybody always says like uh, that, like uh, Apple won the, like the mapping debate just because like most, like just the power of defaults. And nobody, most people are just not going to go out of the way to download uh, an, an alternative competing application. But yeah, Apple Maps is, a, is appreciably worse in many, many ways. But because it's the preferred method and it's, it's the in-house product, uh, like all the Siri hooks and integration and that kind of stuff makes it uh, the, like, if it was 80% as good, you would probably use it exclusively just because it links into uh, system-wide like you know in the sense like you go to a web page and it shows an address and you can tap on it there's no way to set that to open in google maps right so i mean that that's that's the difficult part um but it just goes to like why why does apple need why did that need to go in-house like it just doesn't seem like that is their specialty or like that's worth the time that they have to expend on it well i mean it it was a pretty well towards story it seemed like there was some some business in the background that that might have led to that but they could have just paid google like how much money is is making their own in-house mapping department worth money money slash politics it doesn't matter just pay them enough (laughs) 300 billion dollars in cash just just pay them 299 billion dollars in cash now yeah i'm not sure we're going to talk about i i have nothing to add there yeah. And also it doesn't it has zero to do with the self-driving car stuff before anybody even goes there. Yeah, so this this is this is Apple's investment in do we do we want to actually try to say this out loud? Didi Ching? Is is that how you pronounce it? I think so. They I'm they made it Mandarin. they made it <laughs> They made it sound much more complicated on this week's upgrade. Um Yeah, I I don't know, very interesting. Um 
I guess the, the 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 most interesting takeaway from it that I got was Tim Stevens had wrote an article for um, Roadshow, not Motor Trend, Roadshow, um, talking about how maybe this is an indication that Apple's thinking of a car as being a service, not something that you would own. Not a chance. Yeah, I don't think so either, but it, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I... I no. I mean, yes, it's an interesting like thought experiment, but just then what does Apple stand for? Well, they're yeah, they're, they're not they're not a they're they're really not by default a services company. They're not prim- rather primarily a services company. But, I mean, th- this is your argument, right? That that car ownership is going to become much more of a, a commodity where you actually don't really even own the car necessarily. I, I think transportation becomes a commodity. Well, which obviates sure. for most people car ownership as a necessity. But again, I don't think that like that's just not Apple's place. But I mean, it would, but it, it does answer a big criticism that you had, right? Where why would Apple develop a car to buy when we're clearly shifting away from that? So if they came out with a service of cars, then doesn't that doesn't that kind of make more sense in in the in the direction that you think cars are headed? No. <laughs> like I, I, I no. That's they they make soft they their specialties are cohesive software and hardware pairings that make for a generally sometimes when notifications stay in sync a better end user experience for consumer technology manufacture like becoming a on-demand transportation provider is not part of that mission like that, that that's like if chevy started making laptops but i guess if apple if apple really believes that that's the direction cars are headed and they think that could be a potentially huge economic opportunity maybe it makes sense to start exploring it i don't think it does because what they do actually no i think i was gonna make a point that proved your point so i'm just gonna stop right there thank you what i was gonna say is they just buy like lyft or uber and then they provide the technology to make those but i think that could be the exact same thing with this so no i i will i will allow you to say that you cornered me there thank you i i i accept i accept your apology I know I still think it's wrong, but I'll, I'll admit that I that I was gonna make the point for you. Uh-huh. So you you think it's wrong, but you admit that thinking is wrong is probably wrong. Got it. No, I think it's wrong, but I think the logical like, like the thought exercise leads you to the place that you wanted it to lead. <laughs> okay. See how I make saying you're right sound really not even close to that. Yeah, you're you're good at that. It's a good skill. Uh-huh. Uh, um, all right. So I, th- I think that honestly, the, 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 the last, the last thing maybe to, to, to touch on before we get to picks of the week and then our, our new segment is, uh, UPS real-time tracking. So is this official? Like, uh, I, I, nationwide? It, it's yeah, but it, it's only for, it's only for a certain segment of customers now. I think it's, you have to desubscribe to something. Oh, is this uh, UPS My Choice? No, no, no. But it, it's like a paid thing. I, th- I think. Well, isn't My Choice paid? Uh, well, certain parts of it are. There's like a free tier of it, and then a paid tier. 
So maybe maybe this is applicable just to the paid tier. But yeah, I mean this this is this is kind of kind of neat, right? Yeah, I think it's I think it's weird or like I I think it's nice to know that the based on my understanding from what I read is that the driver's like not like five minutes from your house like you can tell if like they're on the other side of town and if you have uh like if you can go like take a bath or something rather than having <laughs> like you know what i mean like do you ever have like something like where you're like no i taking, i, I need taking this. a taking a bath just in the middle of the day i have no idea like uh, you edit this out <laughs> yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll cut most of this out yeah no like just you're doing anything like if you're gonna i don't know you're gonna go like be on the phone or something like Anything that you have to do where you're like, ah, the UPS guy better not be like two feet away. Or like if they're on like, uh, if it's just like, like, I don't know. Like it's just is out for delivery, but you have no idea, you have no idea where. And if you have the ability or luxury to do whatever you want. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm still, still just thinking about your example. I don't know. Sorry. Actually, no, I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this. What What I meant was. Giving your corgi a bath. Okay, yeah, that's that's better. It's eleven thirty-five at night. Sorry, forty-five. <laughs> it's late. Yeah. All right, picks of the week. Let's get the let's let's wrap this up. Uh, me first. Sure. All right. So mine is the. I gotta get the exact model number here. So this is the Logitech K four hundred plus. So this was the Amazon gold box deal of the day last week for for 19 bucks. So pr- pretty pretty darn good deal. And so this is a wireless keyboard that's got a trackpad built into it. So it's really great for a setup like me where I've got my desktop which primarily when I'm using it for gaming, I just have it hooked up to my TV and I'll use a Xbox controller for when I'm inside of a, a game. But if I just need to do anything kind of quick inside of Windows, it's sort of a hassle where I have to like go back to my desk and then awkwardly like use my keyboard and mouse while also kind of turning around towards the direction of the TV. But so now with this keyboard, I've got everything I need to just kind of put this next to me on the couch and you know do some some light um, typing or mouse movement. Certainly not something you'd want to use as like your like full time keyboard and mouse solution, but for that use case of just having a PC hooked up to your TV pretty darn good yeah i've, I've seen those that's uh, kind of like des- was it mainly designed for like home theater pcs exactly yeah yeah those have always seemed really neat yeah and for for 19 bucks it was a pretty pretty darn good deal and it ends up being it was like amazon's number one keyboard i don't know if that i don't know if that was influenced by the gold box deal maybe it was but do you know how much it costs when it's not a gold box deal when it's just like amazon's regular price um, well... not the list price but just amazon's regular price well, let's see. I think it was like I want to say it was twenty something. Yeah, twenty nine ninety nine. Okay. So cool. Yeah. And it's really it's really light, which is nice. Um, good for if you just want to have it on your lap. Um, yeah, pretty pretty solid little keyboard. Cool. Uh, so my pick of the week is a an audio program. This is a podcast as well as a public radio program called Marketplace. You heard of this? I have not. So it's made by American Public Media. It uh, airs on KQED, and uh, it's also available as a podcast. It's a Monday through Friday, 30-minute show about uh, business and economics. It's very good. 
Um, it's it's uh, kind of like it, it's still like fairly lively. It's not super dry. Um, and I really enjoy having something that I can listen to on the drive home uh, on days when upgrades not there. Like it's very consistent. Like I think in the same way that you said you um, in the past missed uh, like a daily show about like technology or just something in particular that's kind of brief and but still very topical. So I really like this for that particular reason. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's definitely worth the subscription. See how you like it. Um, yeah. It's just it's mainly NPR reporting on economic topics. Maybe some uh, slightly long form stuff a recap of like the business day it, it's it's not again it's not and i like that it's not um super dumbed down but it's also not super kind of like in the weeds uh um like specific and and uh too data driven yeah that's a that's a tough tough balance to strike sometimes yeah so yeah pretty good pretty good marketplace from apm okay and then I guess I should have asked if we wanted to do this new segment before picks of the week, but no, no, that this is fine. We'll, we'll we'll end it on on a on a on a picky note. Okay. So this is a segment that I'm stealing from another uh, another podcast called Hello Internet, but this one is called uh, Paper Cuts, uh, and so this is gonna be um, something that's just uh, a very small and minor annoyance, but something that's uh, still worth uh, complaining about. So I told you to, to come prepared. Do you have anything? I do. Um, and it, it ties back into an earlier conversation we had about... I, I'll broaden this out actually not just to notifications, but just syncing in general is still just not as good as it should be. It, it is leaps and bounds better than it was, you know, going back to 07, 08. But it still, it still just isn't... Like it, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be flawless, where you can just be bouncing around from device to device and have everything that you need just instantly synced. It's just we're just we're just not there. And every time something doesn't sync properly, it just is incredibly frustrating. And because it typically involves applications that you're using many times throughout the day, even if the failure rate is only three percent or something pops up enough where it's just kind of a, a constant annoyance sure okay i think that's that's in the spirit of what i what i was looking for uh with me i'm gonna go for um th- this is a very very specific one and which is kind of what i think uh the topic or what what the segment's for but uh how difficult and frustrating it is to uh disconnect or tell os 10 to forget a wi-fi network Hmm. Uh, do you have any experience with this or not really? No, I, I don't. I don't really think so. So when you want to disconnect from a uh, a Wi-Fi network on OS X, it's actually very difficult. If you click on the airport menu, you can't. You can either turn airport off, or that's it. You can vaguely go into Open Network Preferences, click on airport, go to the saved networks list, delete it and you're still not disconnected from it. Alternatively, you can go to the airport menu, uh, option click it, disconnect from it, and then you still, if you want to forget the network, there's no option inside the airport menu to tell it never to connect in the future again. You have to go to uh, network, uh, network settings or network preferences, 
go to the airport menu, hit the minus, hit apply, and hope it doesn't reconnect in the time that you're trying to get it to disconnect. It is the worst. Generally, I use uh, just my phone's hotspot, and it's very simple, but sometimes I'm in an area with no cell service or something where I have to connect to some Wi-Fi, and I'll just use a VPN instead. But getting like getting it to stop connecting to a network is such a huge pain in the ass, and it's been that way for over a decade, and it drives me up the wall. Hmm. Like, if you only connect to, like, your home and your office network and maybe a friend's house or something, you generally don't ever run into this. But if you ever have a problem, like a time when OS X is just keeps trying to connect to a network you don't want it to anymore, please please tell me if you find a better way to, to actually do it. Because it's damn near impossible. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's my, uh, my paper cut of the week. Well, if, if I find a better way, I will, I will let you know. Yeah. All right. All right, wrap it up. Yes, sir. 